Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Uh, Kate, there was a party the other night and Superman didn't go. Do you know why? Yes. You've had told me that one a few times before, Owen. It was crypto night. Okay. It was indeed. I think my joke's better though. Okay, good. Okay. I ordered a book on scams a few months ago. Mm-hmm. It still hasn't arrived though. This is gold. Yeah. This is podcast and magic. This is right the here. only two jokes that Owen and I know because we've repeated them to people many times over the last few months. Actually, your bank interest one was pretty good. Do I remember it? Um, you something at something bank accounts, but got no interest. <laughs> that's my that's my joke. Anyway, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, Kate. Where we are definitely not comedians and should never try to be so. No, we're not. We're talking about losing money, getting scammed. Uh, getting swindled, all those fun things. And, and how not to lose a billion dollars, which is a good lesson to learn. It is indeed. Yeah, we've got um, a few of these TV shows going around at the moment and everyone wants to know, well, how do I avoid getting scammed? Um, what are some of the more interesting scams that we've seen <laughs> in recent times? Some of these things probably aren't even so much scams. They're more just like financial failures, yeah, frauds. Financial They're failures, just a bit different. Schemes, people yeah. that went too hard. Yeah, they are. So um, there are a bunch of different shows out at the moment. Probably the one that was most interesting to us mm. was the one based on John Cario's book, yeah, which is the, the dropout, the dropout, aka um, Bad Blood, mm, aka about Theranos. Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. Yeah, yeah. which I've mentioned a few times on the show before because that just caught my interest. Because I remember following along on Elizabeth Holmes' journey, mm. uh, thinking that it was amazing, and I totally got sucked into the narrative. Not that I was investing in this company with all the other billionaires, but it was really fascinating. And so it was sad to find out that it didn't actually work. Yeah, she was. Um one of the, I think she was the youngest self-made billionaire for a while. I think she, her personal net worth was up about like three or four billion at mm. one time. And so, what is what is Theranos? I think that's probably just like just real quick. What did they do? Do you remember? Yeah, it was a company that claimed to revolutionise blood testing, and with just one drop of blood, they were going to be able to test for hundreds of different like diseases and all sorts and of things. Right? Yeah. They, so instead of having to go uh, to the pathology lab when you need a blood test in Australia and have like five things of blood taken out of your arm to test for various things, they could just do it with a drop of blood in a supermarket, no less. Yeah. And so this is a um, college dropout, a young lady who um, dressed like Steve Jobs and people believe that she put on a fake voice. Um, and so she had the, the black turtleneck and she appeared on panels with Bill Clinton or um, Jack Ma, who's the Alibaba founder. And so she had a lot of sway and like there was, she was on the front cover of magazines and all this sort of stuff. And her device, I think it was called Edison. Mm. Do you remember? I think it was called Edison. was supposed to basically test, kind of like how we test for diabetes now, but test for everything. And what they found was when the FDA was doing a uh, kind of investigation into them, what they realized is the company was just using the old method because their one wasn't working. Mm. So they were just making it look like they were giving results, but it was actually the, the original just old m- machine anyway. Yeah. Um, and so that came crumbling down with billions of dollars and uh, John Carrier. Carrier? 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 Well, no, we've, we, let's just say we, we've, we've scammed our way through that surname. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was a New York Times journalist or yeah, something like that. Yeah, the investigative journalist yeah. who sort of went into it all and he wrote 
the book on the subject and helped produce the podcast. And I think the the dropout was loosely based on that whole thing. Yeah. Um, and it's just been, I just thought this whole topic was really interesting because so many of my friends and family are watching various shows at the moment that are something to do with someone losing money. Yeah. Um, and I mean, a couple of the others are the, the We Crashed series on, was that Apple? I think it's Apple. Actually, they're sponsoring us at the moment. So we should be very careful about this. <laughs> Uh, inventing Anna, which was about a, a Russian heiress who um, sort of made everyone believe that she had these all this fortune coming her way. Mm-hmm. Um, that one was quite interesting and that was going through the American legal system recently mm. as well. There was uh, your favourite, the Tinder swindler. Yeah, so the Tinder swindler um, would meet women online and claim to be this super wealthy person because he would dress up in like... You know, Tommy Hilfiger clothes. His clothes were worth like tens of thousands of dollars, right? He'd have photos or videos in Lamborghinis and Ferraris and be jetting off here and there. And he, if you've if you've seen the video, I think it is it. I think Tinder Swindles on Netflix. Yeah, it is. My neck's nodding. <laughs> um, he's there's a picture of this guy who's the Tinder Swindler, and he's got this security guard with him, which is probably like, he's probably like the biggest person I've ever seen in my entire life. And this guy would follow him around everywhere oh, wow. to make it look like he's even more important. Yeah. And uh, anyway. So the way he would do it is he'd like he pretend to be the super wealthy person and say, "Oh, I just need ten thousand dollars because um, something's come up and whatever. I feel mm. really embarrassed, you know. I, I've got the money, blah blah blah." And then he just take off. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, and so he would go all around the world. Mm. And originally he was from Israel, um, and then when it came out undone, it was actually interesting because everyone knew that he always had like really nice clothes, really fancy clothes that came out these journos and that put it together and. One of the women actually duped him because she knew that he was desperate. Yeah. And so she went and got all of his clothes and said, oh, sell them for you and we'll get some money. And then she just sold them and kept the money. (laughs) That was great. Uh, The the We Crashed one was about WeWork. And you made a point before that WeWorks are still here in Melbourne. They're in Sydney. They're everywhere. Um, But, yeah, it was funny because when that company, WeWork, tried to, to IPO on the stock market, they basically had this chart of like its profitability going down, 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 down in the past. And then it had this forecast into the future and it just had like an upwards arrow, it looked like a Nike tick. And everyone's like, how do you just turn it around like that yeah. during COVID? Doesn't make sense. Mm. Um, so, yeah, anyway. And there um, was the Fire Fest. I remember watching the documentary for that one last year. That yeah. was quite fascinating because they involved a lot of celebrities in that whole process and created a lot of hype out of nothing. Really. Yeah, was it Ja Rule? Ja Rule, I think, in the Fire Fest. Was it Ja Rule? Does anyone know? I feel like it was Ja Rule. And um, yeah, they went to like this island. And they had the they had like a, a pre-festival kind of party where they recorded on Instagram. Remember? And then they Yeah. And like this rapper and whatever that was there with the guy who was organizing the Fire Fest. And like they had all these women there and whatever. And they were posting about it to kind of build, you know, an mm. online presence for it. And then they ran out of money when they actually hosted it. And I don't remember if you remember. Yeah, they like had everyone flew to the and island, tents and it yeah. was not what people expected at all. And all the locals that had participating in making the fire fest a thing um, were out of pocket, mm. and they didn't know what to do. And so all the people that rocked up didn't know what to do. Really expensive and hard to put together. Yeah, they hadn't finished all the tents. They hadn't finished anything. And then there's this guy that's organising all, just riding around on his four wheeler, yeah, just like avoiding people. Um, so that was pretty funny. Mm. Um, not good for the people that obviously got hurt, but. It was um, it was quite like an interesting and fascinating story, and finally, your favorite, Crypto King. This is yes, a new one. I haven't heard about this one. This is a new one. So this is about a guy. 
uh, he's based in the US and I won't give too much of it away because it is new. I don't think many of our uh, listeners would have seen it. It's on Netflix and basically it talks, this guy called the Crypto King, he vanished with like $150 million plus of crypto. And it's like for anyone that has bought or sold cryptocurrencies, um, you would know that you can go onto a website called Etherscan. So the whole point is that of crypto, right, is that you can see the transactions yeah. on the blockchain. It's, it's like verifiable. So I was confused why anyone who was transferring money into this website to buy then sell crypto wouldn't have checked the thing that allows you to see all the transactions. Anyway, um, there was a story on there of a guy that transferred $400,000 that he had left over from the, the sale of his apartment. Uh, he saw all of his friends getting wealthy. Mm. Like he was a S- Silicon Valley engineer. And he saw all of his friends getting wealthy. And he thought, well, I better do this too. And so he sold his apartment and put all the money in. Mm. And that's the story then jumps off from there basically. Yeah. And you can imagine what happens from there with the website, with the people involved. It's quite fascinating as they unravel it, who was actually involved and how they used, um, I think it was Signal and or Telegram, one of the accounts to try and like communicate and find out mm-hmm. what is actually going on. I won't, I'll, I'll leave it there, but it's called Crypto <laughs> King. It's on Netflix. Um, fascinating story. So Kate, yeah. we've just been through some of the popular things. Yeah. So I think what we wanted to discuss was just like five sort of key commonalities and takeaways and something we can actually learn from all this time we've spent on Netflix. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Okay. So these are five lessons to help you not get duped, basically. Yeah. How not Uh, to lose a billion dollars. Yes. If you have a billion dollars, write into us and let us know. uh, How you've managed it. Yeah. And we're not talking about common like Nigerian prints, uh, quick send me $22 million or something like this, um, or even like the the ones that, you know, they send you dodgy links in your email. Those are, those are like, those, those are the little thing. This is, we're talking about like the bigger ones, like the ones we see on the TV. Like how can we avoid those? Yes. Okay. So I think the first one that I took away, especially from the dropout is that how dangerous blind loyalty can be. Um, mm-hmm. And many of these shows, there were employees or investors or management that were very loyal to the founder and they didn't see a lot of the faults or some of the the cracks forming beneath the surface because they were absolutely loyal. And some of these founders were very charismatic or very intelligent or told a very good story. And so sometimes people didn't actually see what was going on or chose not to see maybe. Yeah. So in the the Crypto King, the website owner, who is the Crypto King in this case, um, was asked by the journal, like, why is this thing happening? Mm. And he was like, oh, you know, he replied very quickly. So it seemed like he was right on top of it. Yeah. He said, oh, no, we're just looking at this, that, and the other. It's actually the banks that aren't letting us do transfer money around. And they're like, oh, okay, no worries. And so anyone that would just be like, take it on face value, would be like, oh, okay, no worries. That sounds legitimate. Really, that wasn't the case. Mm. Um, there was more to it. Lesson number two. Yes. Okay, this is a good one. Oh, this is an interesting one that I feel like I've learnt over the last few years, but you can't always fake it till you make it. Mm. And I know it's kind of thrown around a lot with TED Talks and celebrities that you can fake anything until you make it and you could just become whatever you envision. But I don't think that's always the case. And I think that um, that belief, especially in Silicon Valley of a lot of these stories, uh, can lead to quite damaging end results because companies are just told to keep going until you become 
a reality and sometimes the numbers don't work or the customers aren't there or the people aren't right yeah uh can't fake it till you make it um yeah it's it's interesting right it's interesting even as individuals we're told to fake it till you make it and i don't think that always happens or it puts unfair expectations on you as well yeah it can build a lot of pressure can't Mm. it yeah um in the we work example we crashed as it's known on the um the tv show um the reality is that co-working spaces aren't actually a great business model so if you think about it you've got to buy the building which is more mm. like rent it which is super expensive then you've got to fit it out then you've got to make sure you've got occupancy um and then you've got to just keep people there and you've got to compete on prices with the person that drop just opens this across the road you know yeah and it, it when it's full you're making a lot of money but when it's not full you're not um, and obviously, if you're in a good location, it's going to be more expensive for the rent, for whatever. And um, the reality is then COVID hit, no one was working from any office. Mm. So it kind of just went from bad, which was already bad, to worse. Um, and at the end of the day, even though it sounds wonderful, it may not have been a very good business. Mm. So, yeah, couldn't always fake it. Um, you know, sooner or later, it catches up with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Number three is beware of investor affinity risks. What do you mean by this? Yeah, and so this is another one I saw in the dropout where um, as John Carreyrou takes you through the story, you see one high profile, whether that's high profile from a university or high profile because they're a billionaire, one person invests in the company Mm. and therefore their friend takes that as a signal that they can therefore invest in the company and more and more sort of dominoes fall into place because – uh, instead of doing potentially all of their own due diligence or their own research, they're going, well, okay, well, all of my friends who are super smart and who are super successful have invested in this. Therefore, it's fine for me to invest in it. And so a lot of people jumped in, especially to Theranos, and they didn't necessarily do all the research or they didn't look under maybe every rock they could have because a lot of other smart people in the room had already vetted the business yeah the thing is she made people sign non-disclosure agreements Mm. and she wouldn't reveal any of this the science to outsiders so there was no way that anyone could verify even if they wanted to Uh, and then so you basically just have to take their word for it and if your friends already invested in it and they already look like they're making money why wouldn't you And and that can make you you can feel like you're making a great financial decision because all of your friends and family that you trust around you are saying yes it's a great decision um we're doing it too but that's not always a sign that it's a great decision it's not always a sign you know some people like many everyone gets it wrong and the key point is here not to invest everything that you have um yeah there were there are many instances of businesses failing. Mm. Um, you know, even here in Australia, even though it's not an Australian business so far, so much these days, there's a company called Fast, a company called Fast, which did like think about it like PayPal checkouts. Yeah, and they just failed. They they spent, I think, more on having the chain smokers present at one of their events than they did an entire <laughs> year of revenue. Oh my gosh! Um, so chain smokers are pretty good. They are pretty good. I'll give them that. <laughs> but that's an example of like. You know, people were investing yeah. in this company based on like what it could be, hmm. not really thinking, okay, maybe we should stop even if these other people, these other companies have invested in. Do you think that's a risk sometimes you face as an analyst when you're friends with lots of other people in that same community and you're oh, yeah. getting that your idea reinforced by all the other smart people around you when it's not necessarily... Yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah. And I see this, you know, we have obviously some big podcasts, right? And we... I also see like some of my 
like friends or associates you could say online who have bigger podcasts and whatever and they talk about individual companies if they talk about a company it seems like a month or two later they appear in like other people's podcasts or other people's like youtube videos or something like that it does happen it's like we take the other person's word for it yeah and i do this too because like if you know great investors why wouldn't you just follow them you know you don't always don't follow them blindly but you may as Mm. well pick up what they're putting down yeah but um yeah i definitely see it and also misery loves company too so if um if the shares begin to fall or whatever you can talk to this person that was like also in it as well. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's, it's nice to go down in company as well <laughs> as go up in company. That's it. Yeah. No. So the way it goes is uh, when you're doing well, you take responsibility. Yeah. When you do a bad, you. It like, was a collective decision. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it. Everyone just my made fault. the mistake. Yeah. So what is it? In-source success, outsource responsibility. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Uh, it seems like another great way to. <laughs> yeah. Just building ourselves up here as analysts. <laughs> Uh, the fourth one I learned was that not to take claims on face value, no matter who delivers them. And I think that comes back to the doing uh, a bit more critical thinking whenever you read something, hear something in the newspaper, listen to something on our podcast, just because we're delivering them or whoever is delivering them, it might be the CEO of a billion dollar company, doesn't necessarily mean it is true or it's the most factual statement or it could just be their opinions. So um, I guess if anything you can learn from all these shows is actually to truly internalize the phrase, do your own research um, and Mm. actually look things up and ask the hard questions, which sometimes it's really hard to do when you're investing and doing different things. You can't always find the answers. Yeah. Should I say what happens in the Crypto King or a second? You're going to spoil it for people. Okay. So I'll go spoiler alert, uh, pause it for the next 30 seconds. So basically what happened is people put their money into the website and they thought that by putting their money into the website, that would be converted to Bitcoin, right? But it turns out it wasn't. Well, it was, but just not in the way that they thought. It would then be sent to another website or exchange mm-hmm. and then converted into Bitcoin for the for who knows who, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you could have, if you wanted to, you could have used this Etherscan, which is like a way to look at the blockchain, and you could have seen where the money was going. So you could have, t- you wouldn't have to take the claims on face value. You could literally yeah. just look and see on the other side of the website, where's my money going? And no one really seemed to do that. Yeah. And so they sort of checked that before they did. Like there were some tragic stories on there. There's a guy who put all his money from his apartment in there. Another guy who had $70,000 saved up to start his business. He thought he'd put it in there. Um, you know, it was pretty tragic. Yeah. Um, but that's just not taking it on face value. Even though they seem reputable, they claim they would do presentations. I would say we're the biggest Bitcoin exchange in Canada. Yeah. But if you just look below the surface, you would see some other things. So really interesting. Number and f- next time you want to do a spoiler alert, you have to say skip the next 30 seconds, not what pause. Oh, jeez. Well, and here <laughs> so we that are wouldn't back. help anyone. Yeah, damn it. Okay. The spoiler would have still happened. There's a joke. There's another scam. This is <laughs> yeah, podcast. I think it's a scam. It just comes back to even if the person is the loudest person in the room, the wealthiest, the smartest I'd still do your own research and make sure you look at a variety of sources. And if you can verify things, like you mentioned in your spoiler, try to. (laughs) Well, the thing is, yeah, you know, I've I've found in finance that oftentimes the one who is the loudest is the one that you should probably avoid. Um, It's actually the person that sits back and thinks is probably the one that you should pay attention to. Um, And I've found that with money too. So, um, you know, have you ever heard that joke, where are the clients' yachts? Yeah. Yeah, it's like because, you know. When the billionaire fund managers have the yachts. Yeah, that's the client's yachts, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like you've just, 
know who's making money and if people are actually following All the other selling, follow the money. Follow the money. Follow go. the money, Kate. <laughs> okay, number five. Uh, the fifth one was it doesn't have to start with fraud to end with fraud. And I think some of these cases, they actually went in with good intentions, maybe uh, – overly ambitious and idealistic intentions for things that potentially didn't work. Fire festival. Yeah. Uh, but they weren't actually going out. I mean, we can probably debate that at the beginning to commit fraud and rip people off or lose investors' money. But this sometimes through the pressures of raising money and through Silicon Valley and venture capital world, um, people start making decisions that they wouldn't have made at the beginning or mm. pre-starting the company. And people's ethics and morals do change along the way when there's a lot of hard decisions to make, whether if you say this statement, you don't have to fire certain people and things start getting a bit blurry. So I think that was a good lesson i mean things can start with really good intentions and mm. change over the years yeah well you know the example is fire festival they didn't set that thing up to not have the festival yeah. they just didn't get to it in time like they just didn't have the money or the you know the ability to pull off a festival of that magnitude in the time that they gave themselves so they didn't start out wanting to rip people off it's yeah. just the way it went um and that we see that everywhere right some people do it with the best intentions and they just go down but typically they go down with integrity, not yeah. by defrauding people. So. Yeah, I mean, I was having a debate with a family member about whether Elizabeth Holmes originally, because she, before we even heard about Theranos, she started about 20 years. Like she was running it for a long time before it became a right. like a household name. And we were having a debate whether originally when she dropped out of university, was she going to do what she did? And I, I was arguing that she didn't actually have that intention. She probably did want to change the mm. world and revolutionize medical healthcare. But um, that was an interesting debate we were having. Well, yeah, didn't she? She had a phobia of needles, right? So she, like, she could have gone down the medicine route, mm. but she had a phobia of needles. So she thought, I'll create a machine which doesn't require invasive needles and whatever. Isn't that the whole genesis yeah, of the well, business? Who knows what was true at the end of the day? But I yeah. think that's what they were showing in the TV show. Yeah, right. There's a, there's a Maybe should I? Should I not bring this up? Oh, well. Um, there's an Australian business. <laughs> I won't mention the name as I laugh. Um, that claims to have um, allow you to like, I think it's like breathe into like your smartphone or like it records like your respiratory system or something like that. And it can detect if you're sick. And like I hear something, I hear something like that and I'm like, well, it sounds great. It sounds great. But, and it didn't start as a fraud, but it, you could see how they get desperate. Yeah. Right. If something went wrong and they proves that you can't do that. Um, so sometimes, yeah, people start, they want to change the world. They're ambitious and it's hard to know the difference. Um, you know, it's hard to know the difference if they're crazy or if they're just bold. Mm. You know, you could have said that probably about Steve Jobs back in the day if he was going on sabbaticals and um, meditating for two weeks or whatever. You know, you probably think that's very strange. Um, but look, it paid up off in that case right yeah and it's hard to know at the beginning yeah. i mean a lot of these individual investors weren't able like you and me we're not able to invest or give yeah. money to a lot of these people but i think it's good on a small scale like australians lose hundreds of millions of dollars every year in scams like the government reports on these numbers mm. um people are losing money in all sorts of different scams i mean even scott pape's newsletter there's regularly someone writing in who's lost um quite a significant amount of money so i think it's just as much as you can being aware of these in a small scale and as you watch all these shows and have a great time with your friends and family, like maybe see what can you take away from these lessons so you don't um, repeat them in your own life. Yeah, well, this is, see, like this thing here, right? Like I just looked it up on my phone as you were talking. 
Um, SoftBank, which is one of the like world's biggest venture capital funds, it looks like according to this Bloomberg article, have this was written in October 2021, and they said, "WeWork is finally going public. Will SoftBank ever make its 17 billion dollars back?" And this is another example of like one of the world's leading venture capitalists, supposedly like the biggest and best of us, yeah. um, potentially losing billions of dollars. And this happens, right? You can get fooled by these things really easily. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we don't want to put people off the finance industry, right? Like, let's, no. let's take stock. We've got Wolf of Wall Street. We've got the big short. Uh, what else have we got? Trading places. Trading places. Is Margin Call a movie? I feel like. Uh, I feel like. Let's just go with that. Um, We've got like basically like all of these Ponzi scheme shows. There aren't too many good things said about finance. And then you look at these really popular um, shows about like scams and whatever. And they're juicy. Yeah. Most of finance isn't like this. So we Most of finance (laughs) is boring, small steps, day by day over a long period of time. Yeah. And that's like the slow way that we talk about building wealth. And a lot of this is uh, things went up really fast and went down quite fast too. Yeah. I think that's probably the the story of our generation is that we're finding that the scams are more so like scams in hype. Mm. Scams of things that like people, everyone's jumping on board and they get... They end up losing a lot of money from the next big thing. Yeah, um, that's been going on for centuries, by the way. But whereas, in, like an older generation might be more likely to get scammed by dodgy links in emails, dodgy URL fields, weird web banker logins, like they get that kind of scamming. Yeah. Um, you know, they still get scammed by. We've seen it here in Australia, like with Mayfair, some pretty, you know, not necessarily scams, but maybe very poorly constructed investment ideas. Um, and people get lose money that way. I think there's plenty of good lessons in here, Kate, if we yeah. recap, maybe. And if any of these um, shows, like if you're watching with friends or family, it's a, a good way to start the conversation about scams oh, yeah. and being safe with your money and fact-checking and not believing claims at face value. But I guess we can wrap up the lessons. I mean, the first one was blind loyalty can be dangerous, so mm-hmm. question things. Even in your own workplace, ask the questions, ask the hard questions. Um, yep. And if they're a good workplace, they'll answer them and address them. They won't just sweep them aside. Yep. Number two? Number two, you can't always fake it till you make it. And mm-hmm. that's probably something that I've changed my view on. I used to think after watching all the TED Talks that you can <laughs> fake it till you make it. You can fake <laughs> it till you become it. But I think nowadays Visualization sometimes thing. you can't and sometimes – having that in your mind for years can actually lead to a lot more pain and agony. Mm-hmm. Um, number three is being aware of investor affinity risks. So just because um, a lot of high profile investors are in a particular company. I know when I see the guys on Twitter, they're always like, oh, this fund manager's invested in this company and this one therefore must be good. Must be good. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, it's all just them <laughs> wanting you to think that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, don't let your reason for doing any particular thing just because the other smart people in the room are doing that. Yep. Um, the fourth one is claims shouldn't always be taken on face value no matter who delivers them. Mm-hmm. So that's a good thing to internalize, whether it's to do with money, um, whether it's to do with your career, whether it's to do with politicians. Yeah. Podcasts. Yes, everything. Never trust a podcast. That's what I'd say. <laughs> and the fifth one is it doesn't have to start with fraud to end with fraud. And I think intentions can start um, very good and they can, through all sorts of reasons, through hard decisions, through uh, pressure, through whatever publicity, things can change along the way. Yeah, like let's say, for example, you're selling a laptop online and you get a message from someone and they say they've paid you via PayPal and you send the laptop off 
Turns out it wasn't a real PayPal payment. Presto, no laptop. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if the intention started off good there either, <laughs> if that's what you were trying to reinforce, Owen. <laughs> anyway, that's a that's a um, an off-mic joke. Um, anyway, if you've been scammed, just uh, write into <laughs> us. Let us know in the Facebook group because um, it's quite it, – you can feel like it's pretty bad, but we would love to know if you're willing to share your story. Yeah, because um, there is a lot it, of shame around getting scammed and all the people I know the that time. have been scammed uh, in real life um, – not billions of dollars, usually much smaller amounts of money. Mm. Um, they're really embarrassed and they don't want to talk about it. And I think that means that less people become Aware. educated about the different possibilities of scams because there's a million and one ways someone can be ripped off. But if you don't talk about them and discuss them, just like everything with money, uh, it can be hard to avoid them. Yeah, like these ones are high profile, but I've been like, ri- I've been ripped off like bits of money here and there, mm. um, things appearing in my bank account, which Visa or the bank didn't block or whatever. It happens all the time. Yeah. It really does. So um, yeah, we don't even have – actually, we don't have fake, but people faking our Twitter accounts yet. Maybe we'll no, in the future. No, we're not that high. High profile yet. Yeah. Damn nah. it. Okay. That's a good thing, Owen. We do not want Twitter <laughs> trolls. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, yeah, we'd love to know what you think. Um, if you want us to dive deeper into each of these scams, we'd love to tell the stories too. It's just a whole thing with spoiler alerts and all that sort of stuff. Which Owen will learn for next time. Yes, I'm going to get some hate for that. But, um, Kate, this was a bit of fun. It's yes. a good episode. Yeah. Um, I think this is – this is going to go out before Easter. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode and enjoy your long weekend if you have one. Yes, happy Easter, Kate, to you. Yes, thanks, everyone. Lots of chocolate. Yes, indeed. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at rusk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au.